is Matt Sprinkle. I am the student pastor here at Alice Drive Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, whether you are here in person, joining us online, maybe you're over at one of our campuses at Pacala or at Bishopville, we are glad that you are here. Uh, but before we start, before we jump into God's Word together, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that we can come to a place where we can study your word deeply. And God, that this is a place where we can apply these truths to our lives. God, I pray that anything that is said today that is not from you, that it may fall away. But everything that is from you, God, may it stick. God, help us to lean into what it means to worship today in all aspects of our lives. God, we thank you for, for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So for Labor Day weekend, we're going to pause from kind of our normal routine, and we're going to talk about something that might sound a little bit familiar. Uh, it's going to sound a little familiar because it's something that's talked about quite often in Scripture. It's also something that we address every single week at church. But let's be honest, though. How many times do we have to be reminded of something before it finally starts to stick in? Uh, I know there's something that my wife and I, we get reminded that we need to do this thing quite often, but as parents, uh, we let something go on for too long. Uh, we were on vacation in Tennessee, and this was back, we have four children now, this is back when we only had three, and our youngest was on my wife's back, and we were taking a tour through some caverns in the mountains of Tennessee. If you don't know what caverns are, we were basically walking through some caves, um, that have been spelunked, discovered. If you don't know what spelunking is, now I gave you a new word for your vocabulary. You can sound smart at like family get-togethers. Um, but it's for those people that are crazy, like small spaces. So we're on the middle of this tour, right? And part of this tour, they shut all the lights off so that you can experience a cave in its natural environment. Dark and terrifying. <laughs> You know how they say that whenever it's like you can't see anything, your senses multiply? So the lights go off, and then all of a sudden, my wife and I, we start to smell something. Yeah, yeah, if you're a new parent, you'll experience this, trust me. In some way or another, it's coming. If you've been a parent for some time, you've been there, often. And so the lights come back on. We look at each other, and we do what all good mom and dads can do, right? And that's we start communicating with our eyeballs. Okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, are you changing it? Am I changing it? Am I taking her off? Are we stopping the tour? Like, what do we do here? And then it's like we look at each other, and we're like, no. We'll wait till we get back to the car. Yeah. So we finish the tour, right? We go to the gift shop. We buy the kids some gifts. And then we make it back to the car. And we go to unbutton that outfit. Hazmat. It was everywhere. Her, her outfit was ruined. The carrier was stained. And then it's like you look back and it's like, what should we have done in that moment? Well, we should have addressed the dirty diaper and changed it. But how do you do that walking through a cave? Excuse me, tour guide. Can you guys just go a little ways ahead, leave the lights on back here? We got something to deal with. That's not how it works. But there have been many outfits, many bed sheets changed, and many car seats washed because we would let the diaper go on for a little bit too long. But look, we all do this. Maybe it's not with a diaper, right? But we all have things in our lives that we tend to let, on, let go on for too long. All right, you ready? Where are my procrastinators at? Let's be honest. Yeah. My people, yeah. 
The procrastinators, right? We, the project, it's not due until the end of the month. So you have two weeks before you got to start it. You have one week before you got to start it. You got 24 hours before you got to start it. Uh, you need sleep. So what's an hour before class? <laughs> and all of my young adults over here, preach. Listen, if you didn't raise your hand as a procrastinator, we get it. You're an overachiever and you're just waiting until tomorrow, okay? Just calm down. Now, there are some people who, who are driving their car and all of a sudden the orange light comes on and it says your gas is low. And in, the, in that moment, you have one of two options. You pull off at a gas station or you look at that light and you say, challenge accepted. And then some of us have found out when empty really is. And then, and then some of us, we do wonder, like, right, do we really have to change the oil out every 4,000 miles? And then the mechanic bill comes in and you're like, I'm going to start changing the oil more often. See, and these are just some simple things, right? But what about some more serious things? For instance, your relationships. What if you allow a friendship or a relationship that's toxic to continue to go on? For too long. What if you have a child, or maybe you have a friend, or family member, or a coworker, and they struggle with sexuality? Maybe they struggle with depression or doubt, and you avoid it. What happens if you let that go on too long? Or let's even look at our, our spiritual life. Right? If we allow ourselves to lack engagement in church for too long, what ends up happening there? See, this is the fact, and it shouldn't be mind-blowing, right? This is like a common-sense thing. The longer you don't do what you're supposed to do, the more likely that you won't do it. See, there's a space between what you should and shouldn't do, and something will ultimately fill that space, and it will be one of two things. It will be worship, or it will be idolatry. So you've heard many sermons on worship before, and today, Paul is going to help us rearrange, and in 2 Thessalonians, he's going to help us rearrange how it is that we worship. It's when you walk through those doors this morning. It was on your drive to church. It was when you wake up tomorrow. It's in how you raise your kids. It's in how you relate to others. See, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to them a second time now, and he's reminding them the importance of worshiping in light of Christ's final return. However, there's a problem. See, they were focused on getting lazy and selfish. And if we're honest, this is the opposite of what it means to worship. See, they had poor work ethic because they were focused, super focused on themselves. And their worship was making sure that they were just good enough to get to the next week because maybe Jesus is coming back then. Okay, A, B, C, did this checklist. I'm good. I'm done. Jesus, come back. See, and then they were also relying on the fellow church members to take care of their needs. And then they were also making the wrong noise through gossip about one another, through slander, and even bad noise about God and what God had said. Surely this doesn't happen in churches today, right? See, this isn't the first time that Paul has addressed this. He actually addressed it. If you remember our How to Live series, if you weren't here for that, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message on 1 Thessalonians. But Paul actually takes a pause in his letter to actually address this issue. And guess what? They let it continue. And here Paul is. He's addressing them a second time, and he spends all of the second letter hitting this one thing. 
And here's the reality that we find. Idle hands find idols. Idle hands find idols. See, when you're lazy, you will find something to worship. Because every single one of us was created to worship. This is what's going on here is kind of similar to our late night snacking. Um, all my night owls, right? You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's asleep. You're trying to get healthy, but that snack cabinet looks good. Who's going to know? I mean, I'm just going just gonna to go in there, give me a little snack, and then stay up a little longer and get another snack and get another snack. And then I'll go to bed eventually. When everything inside you is like, just go to bed, walk away. Because you know they're going to see it in the morning. Go to bed. See, the elephant in the room says, see, some of us are listening and we're like, okay, look, I, get, I hear you saying lazy, but look, I'm not lazy. I'm not lazy. But see, Paul is talking about people who aren't doing their work by being lazy. In fact, they are doing all the other work except the thing that they were supposed to do. They were pretty, they would say that they were busy, but they were busy being busy bodies. And we'll see more of what that means here, but idle hands find idols. And in order to understand this, we got to see what Paul says. Let's jump into verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. So what is Paul doing here? Paul is fighting their continued wrong view of Jesus' final return, but he's also fighting culture that's around them. The Greek culture that surrounded them said, hey, put all the work on the servants so that we don't have to do anything at all. And here Paul is working against this, and this isn't the first time, like we said, that Paul has addressed this. See, the first time, maybe the people could kind of claim ignorance to it. But here he is again, coming and addressing it again. This is kind of like if you were at your work, right? And you make a mistake with finances that cost the company, let's say, $2,000. Where does your mind automatically go? I'm going to get fired. But let's say that your boss is kind, merciful, and gracious, and comes up to you and says, Look, I get it. It was an accident. This is $2,000 invested in your education. In that moment, you're like, Thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer. You're grateful. But let's say two months go by, and then all of a sudden you make the same exact mistake. Now, this is more of a fireable offense. This is what's going on for the church here. Look at what Paul says. Paul says this, We command you in the name of Jesus. He really wants them to understand this, right? In fact, in Thessalonians, he says, in the name of Jesus, about 20 times. He really wants them to understand what it is that he's saying. This is the same. When he says, we command, this is the same as a military order being passed down the chain of command. And if you fail to obey an order in the military, they actually have something. It's an article. It's a failure to obey an order. order. And if this happens, it could lead to you being court-martialed. It leads to discipline. And this is the fact, is a disobedient military lacks order, and a disobedient soldier requires correction. So why does the military give you orders? So that you can achieve victory. Why does God give us orders? So that we can have victory. What does our victory lead us to? What should our victory lead us to? Worship. 
So what is the punishment for not following the orders that Paul is referencing here? He's very clear. He says this, Keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. He says, Disassociate yourself from them and remove the unhealthy influences, those that are idle, those that aren't following God's words, these traditions that we set for you, the examples that we set for you. He says, Keep away from those who have poor work ethic. See, this is church discipline that Paul is referencing here. And the idea is to isolate the person who is doing wrong so that they can see their sin, so that they can see what in them needs to change. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, look around and identify those who are distracting you from worship. So it leads me to ask a question, right? Who in your life, who in your life is distracting you from worship in your work, and in your daily life. Right? It's, it's only going to be one of two people. That's really all that it can be. It can only be one of two people. It might be someone that's in your life, or maybe, just maybe, you're the one that's distracting you from worship. I think Paul is really causing us to, to stop and reflect. Okay, am I distracting myself from worship? Paul is saying, look, identify the sin and realize whose fault it is. Identify the sin and realize whose fault it is. And this is what Paul is about to do here. Look at what um, verses 7 through 9 say. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. See, it was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. See, one of the biggest distractions from our worship to God is laziness. And if we are not actively, actively seeking to worship God in our life, when we're lazy, we begin to worship in the wrong way. We will all worship something. We will either worship our creator or we will worship the creation. We see this in our, in our young adults who move off to college sometimes. And we have some of our young adults that are in here with us this morning, and I'm sure they've, they've even seen it play out in some of their friends' lives. But it's where they, they see the example of worshiping God and the things that, that he has done for, him, for them and his love for them and the joy that they can have, and they, and they exchange it when they get hit with the difficulties of adulthood and college life, and they start exchanging it for temporary things. For instance, instead of worshiping God's love in the middle of the, the bad, difficult times that they face in college and adulthood, maybe they'll try and satisfy their search and desire for love with temporary things that they can only find in the hookup culture. Maybe instead of finding joy in the fact that because of Christ, they have life that exists beyond this earth. They have a relationship with the creator, the one who created them. That all of this life is temporary and there is an end that we will one day be with him forever, right? And the joy that we have in that. And instead, they, they replace it with something that gives them satisfaction and enjoyment maybe for like 30 seconds as they scroll through their TikTok and Reels.
See, our student ministry, the frustration there is that we strive to try and set an environment of worship for our students so as they move into adulthood, they are prepared for the difficulties that they will face, that no matter what, they can worship the God who loves them. Look, parents, you get it. You spend all of your lives, and look, are we perfect parents? No, there are times where we drop it and we've got to own it with our kids. But in those moments where we own it with our kids and continue to walk alongside of them, our hope and prayer each and every day should be that the moment that they step foot outside of our household, we have raised them to be young men and women that will make a difference in this world because they love God. They have a natural love for other people. And see, the same heartache when the opposite happens after you spend all of that time, the same heartache that you feel in that moment is the same heartache that Paul has here in this text. Paul, he didn't work. He didn't depend on the church to take care of his needs. Instead, Paul set an example for them to imitate. See, Paul is saying here, look, if you are worshiping, you are working. Look at what Paul continues to say in verses 10 through 11. He says this in verse 10. He says, For even when we were with you, we should give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Okay, real quick, address that, right? He said, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Paul didn't say if anyone is not able to work. He said if anyone is not willing to work, Let him not eat. Go on to verse 11. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work. They're lazy, but they're also busy. busy. How? But busy bodies. See, this is where it's different today, right? Today, if you don't meet the needs of everyone, then you're not being Jesus. That's what the world would like to tell us. But let's be honest, right? There are some needs that just don't need to be met. If you go to a state park that's in the mountain, what's one sign that you will see? Not the forest fire ones. Um, Another sign. It says, don't feed the what? The bears. If you said alligators, I said mountains. Um, Don't feed the bears. If you feed the bears, what happens? You train them to be something that God didn't intend them to be. They were meant to forage and to kill salmon and eat it themselves. Not you hand them stuff. This is how we have Yogi Bear. (laughs) Because what happens after you leave, right? If you fed the bears, what happens after you leave? The next people come, they don't know that you fed the bears, but what do the bears do? They're like, hey, (laughs) boo-boo. And then you're like, I ain't got food for you. And then what do they do? They wreck the camp. How true is that for us? When we train ourselves or we train, help train someone else to do exactly the opposite of what God intended for them? Do we or, or do they wreck the camp? <laughs> Look, compassion does not mean enabling someone's laziness. See, when someone's lazy, they fill that time with something else. A lot of the times, they become busy bodies. And this is not how God intended us to be. You want to know why? Because God's our ultimate example. God's not lazy. God's not lazy. Every action, every action of our salvation was worked out for us by God. If you are a Christian, 
That's your amen moment. Every action of your salvation was worked out for you by God. You look Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. What happened in the Old Testament? We sinned against an infinitely holy and good God. The easiest thing to do, wipe them all out. That's not what God does. Read the Old Testament? Man, I can't get past a few chapters being like, dude, I don't know how you didn't punish them already. But he constantly comes alongside his people over and over again. You get to the New Testament. God steps out of heaven in the form of Jesus and lives the life that we cannot live. Just to take on our punishment, death on the cross, so that he may rise on the third day, completely defeating sin and death, so that whoever believes and has faith in Christ may have a relationship with God. That's the work of God on our behalf. It's because of God's work for us through Jesus that we can reach verse 12. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. He commanded them to work in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus worked. See, we should work quietly and so that we don't be a burden to others. This is um, like what we talked about in the How to Live series. We held up a fire detector and how that fire detector, it signals one thing, it's smoke. How our lives should be a living testimony of who Christ is and what it is that he's done for us. That our alarms sound only for the gospel and that's it. But what happens if, la- if we lean into our laziness? What happens? Look at what Paul says in verses 13 through 15. He says this, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter... Take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Uh, one of my favorite theologians, he said this about everything that Paul is talking about here. And it's, it's absolutely brilliant and true. Um, look at what this theologian said. He said, if we are idle, if we are idle, the devil in a corrupt heart will soon find us somewhat to do. If we are lazy, the devil in a corrupt heart. Listen, I believe that. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is evil. It's deceitful. It's sick. Above all things, who can understand it? When people are like, follow your heart. I'm like, mm. In our laziness, the devil in a corrupt heart will soon find us something to do. Idle hands find See, if you love your laziness and your busyness more than your worship, more than your God-honoring work ethic, Paul says you should have one response. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. What everything Paul is saying here really comes down to this. Your work ethic comes from your worship ethic. Your work ethic comes from your worship ethic. See, the way you view your work comes from the way you understand your worship. And your worship, it should flow overflow into every area of your life. So let me ask you this. How do you worship God at your work or with your kids? Let's just 
Put it to the test for a second, right? How do we worship God at our work or with our kids? Um, well, let me ask you this, right? Is God's patience with you on a daily basis, because I know I mess up every day, um, is God's patience with you reflected in your patience with your coworker? Move that from work and put it in your own family for a second. You go to a family reunion, everybody has that fun uncle that they like to not be around. Is God's patience with you reflected in your patience with those that are around you? All right, how about with your kids? Is God's mercy, kindness, and love for you seen in you by your kids? Listen, these sermons would be a whole lot easier to preach for us when we get up here if God wasn't like, did you read that? I'm sitting here walking through this with my wife last night, and I'm like, that one really hurt. I don't want to read that one. See, this defines every Christian outside of the four walls of the church building. And listen, if you're a non-Christian, and, or if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, and you're here with us this morning in this room, online, Pacala, Bishopville, maybe the whole reason you're here is because you have that really annoying person at work that every time you're around them, they just vomit Jesus all over you. Like, you just, you know that they love Jesus. There's no way you can't. It's not necessarily, maybe they say it all the time, but it's just always chipper or ongoing. And then when they mess up, you're like, how are you not destroyed right now? And if that's you and you're here today, I encourage you, please go encourage that person. Because I'm pretty sure there are days where they might go home and be like, man, God, I really messed up today. Or maybe, maybe you aren't a follower of Jesus and you're sitting in the room or online or at one of our other campuses and you're like, yo, I work with people who claim Christ and I can't say that I see any of that. And if that's you, I'm sorry. Because we as Christians, our lives should be defined by the one who worked out our salvation. Because God loved us, we love so what is Paul telling you today? Is there laziness in you that is leading you to sin? Are you honoring God with your life? What does this look like for you? Is there, um, there is work to be done, and your work is a good thing because your work reflects who you worship. So how does this play out in your life? Let's revisit some of the things that we talked about before, right? How do people see you outside of these four walls? Do they see you or do they see the one who worked out your salvation? How about in your relationships, right? In your relationships or your friendships, what happens if you allow that toxic friendship to continue or that relationship to continue? Well, in your laziness, if you are lazy in your relationships or your friendships, you avoid the difficult conversations. And what that ultimately makes you really good at is burning bridges. But if you are worshiping in your relationships and your friendships, Worship is stepping back and stepping in to heal a broken relationship. But let's be honest, right? Sometimes you can't feed the bear, right? Sometimes worship is walking away from the unhealthy ones because you love God and you see how that friendship is pulling you away. How about 
if your child struggles or if your family member or friend or coworker, whoever struggles with sexuality or depression or doubt, if you're lazy, you avoid it. Eh, they don't talk to me about it. I'm not going to say anything. If they do talk to me about it, I'll just be quiet. And the saddest part of that is, is that for those individuals, those things become their idols. But if you are worshiping, you, you step in with the conversation and you drive towards trying to help them see their identity and their value and their worth in a God who created them. So what does this mean for Alice Drive Baptist Church? It means that you are actually involved. Why? Because when we worship God together, when we do life together, we help one another to be more like Jesus in a broken world that is full of idols to worship. I have a friend. I'm going to change his name. Didn't do a great job of this last service. Um, but I'm going to change his name this service. I asked him if it was okay if I kind of shared kind of the impact that I saw in him and even what it's done for me. Um, and he was like, yeah, just change my name. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, his name is George. So George at my first church, um, he was a really good friend. I was at my first church in Roanoke for about three and a half years. This was during around my first year there. My friend George, he was kind of a new Christian. He started uh, following Jesus. He placed his faith in Christ. And like all of a sudden he got to this point where he wanted to know, you know what, why would God save me? And I'm sure most of us, if we're honest, we, we do have that question at times. Like, why, why would God send Jesus to save me kind of thing? And so it made my friend George, he started asking all kinds of questions. And as a pastor, it's where I had to learn that an okay answer sometimes is, I don't know. Uh, because even pastors don't know certain things. But we'll follow up with you. And so me and my friend George, uh, we started meeting for lunch. And these lunch conversations started challenging me, and they started reflecting something in me. They started to reflect my laziness. You know what? And I would have told you that I wasn't lazy. I, I would have said, if you would have said, dude, you're lazy in your relationship with God, I would have been like, no, I teach people Jesus all the time. And then that's when the Holy Spirit would have been like, exactly. You are so busy in helping other people worship that you aren't worshiping. Look, we as Christians, like, we all run into that at some point or another. And in these lunch conversations, God's working in me. He's working in my friend. And all of a sudden, George starts teaching what would be to them a life group. And he starts getting more involved and more plugged into the church. And then all of a sudden, I notice that my friend George is bringing friends from his place of employment because they want to know about this Jesus guy that he started following. See, for my friend George, his worship ethic was reflected in his work ethic. So it leads us to this last and final question for today. Is your worship ethic reflected in your work ethic? But I'm going to pray for you guys, but as we close, think about that. Is your worship ethic reflected in your work ethic? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for everyone who was here, God. I pray that you will just... Use this, this message to really apply it to our lives. Are we worshiping you in all aspects of our lives? Is our life a mission to help people to see you because you love us in such a way? God, I pray that this place is a place where people come to learn how to worship you so as they go about their weeks, people may see a glimpse of you. God, we thank you for Jesus and the hope and the joy that we only have in him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.